Menschen. Now we can understand what is the burden of the kingdom of heaven and the burden of the Torah that one should assume, which is coercion. A person's body is like an ox or a donkey. And we must work with the body as one works with an ox or a donkey. By working with his body, through the work of the body, the person will be rewarded with wealth and spiritual properties. Also, a person must be considerate with the body as with an ox, as we place on the ox the yoke to work in coercion, although the ox and the donkey do not want to work. No one takes into consideration the ox's view whether it wants to or not. It is used for work. However, we should also be considerate with the body, meaning to give it what it needs, what the body demands. But when we give to the body what it needs, it should not be because he loves the body meaning his will to receive. Rather, it is because otherwise the body will not be able to work. It follows that the only reason a person examines the body so as to just to satisfy its needs is not because of love, but like an owner who provides for the needs of the ox, only because of the benefit of the owner, and not for the love of the ox. Also, a person should aim while satisfying the desires of the body, that it will not be because he loves it, but that by this he will then be able to make his body till the land and yield fruit. As it is written, much produce by the strength of the ox. This means that one should be careful while working with the body as while working with the ox. That is, the reason why he satisfies the needs of the ox, he would certainly be happier if he could work with the ox without having to provide for the ox's needs. Likewise, a person must come to understand that he would be happier if he did not have to do something for the needs of the body and satisfy the needs of the body, but would dedicate all his time to holy work and would devote all his time 
to increase the glory of heaven. And the body would work without any disturbances. Yet, what can one do if the Creator wants men to see and to tend to the needs of the body? According to the above, we already know the meaning of the burden of the kingdom of heaven and the burden of Torah, meaning to work with the body coercively, even if it disagrees with the work. It should all follow the, the example of the ox to the burden and the donkey to the load. However, it is a lot of work for a person to have the strength to overcome the body and work with the body coercively, as with an ox. From what source can one derive this strength? Our sages said about this, the Creator said, I have created the evil inclination. I have created the Torah as a spice. That is, only through the Torah that a person engages in, even if Lolishma, and he aims that he wants to engage in the Torah so as to thereby receive the light of the Torah, which will give him the strength to force the body when it disagrees with the work. The resistance of the body appears primarily when he wants to do everything for the sake of the Creator and not for his own sake. Here, the body resists with all its might, since it argues, Why do you want to put me and my domain to death? You come to me with having to work only for the sake of the Creator, and not for one's own sake, which is truly annulment of the will to receive from everything. You tell me that our sages said the Torah exists only in one who puts himself to death over it, meaning to put to death all the domain of self-benefit and care only for the benefit of the Creator. And before this, a person cannot be rewarded with the Torah. Yet a person sees that it is unrealistic that he will have the strength to go against nature. At that time, one has no choice but to turn to the Creator and say, Now, I have come to a state where I see that unless you help me, I'm lost. 
I will never have the strength to overcome the will to receive. As this is my nature. Rather, only the Creator can give another nature. A person says that he believes that this was the exodus from Egypt, that the Creator delivered the people of Israel from under the governance of Egypt. As our sages said, and the Lord brought us out from Egypt, not by an angel and not by a messenger, but the Creator Himself. I am the Lord, it is I and not another. Now, he too sees that only the Creator can deliver him from the governance of the will to receive and give him a second nature. In other words, just as the Creator gave the first nature, there is no one who can give the second nature but the Creator Himself. Therefore, at that time, a person prays wholeheartedly from the bottom of the heart. And this is the time for the reception of the prayer. However, we should ask, why does one need to work coercively against the will to receive? The answer is that it is because there was a correct correction so there would not be shame when receiving the delight and pleasure. Therefore, two things are needed here. One, on one hand, a person yearns to receive delight and pleasure. Otherwise, if there is no passion for the pleasures, a person is unable to enjoy. Two, he should receive delight and pleasure with the aim to bestow. It follows that we need both. That is, first we begin to work with the will to receive which is called Lolishma. And then a person is taught to work in order to bestow. In other words, by observing Torah and Mitzvot, a person wants to come to be a giver. Meaning, to thereby be rewarded with a second nature, that the Creator will give him this power, as it is written, the light in it reforms him. And afterward, he is rewarded with receiving in order to bestow.
Therefore, we should discern two times. One, before one is rewarded with purification of the kelim, so they work in order to bestow. At that time, his work is compulsory. And this is called a law. That is, if the body comes and asks, what is this work for you? We tell it, you ask questions according to the mind of the will to receive. I have no answer to this. And you are right. Yet, I do not want to answer within reason, meaning so that the will to receive will also understand it. It would mean that I'm working for the will to receive, or it would never agree to work. Therefore, at that time, a person says, you are right when you ask, what will I have? Meaning, the will to receive from this work. So I am telling you that I do not want to work for you. Why? It is because I believe in the sages that we must work for the sake of the Creator above reason. Although the body does not understand. And I accept this work as an ox to the burden and as a donkey to the load. Meaning, by coercion. Two, a person says, but once I am rewarded with purity, my work will be by way of love and not by way of coercion. However, I do not mean that now I'm working coercively so that afterward I will work out of love. That would be as though it's also for the will to receive. Since afterward, he will receive the delight and pleasure. Rather, when he says that afterward he will be rewarded with love, it is for a different reason. It will only be a sign for him by which to know whether he is truly working for the sake of the Creator and not for his own sake. This is so because, for, because the Creator wants to give delight and pleasure, but we still have no kelim to receive since we are not working in order to bestow. Hence, this is a sign whether he's working in order to bestow. That is, 
if he still did not receive delight and pleasure. It is a sign that he is still under the governance of the will to receive. However, this, his aim is not to receive the delight and pleasure, but to know whether he is truly working in order to bestow. According to the above, we should interpret why he says that Malchut is called the statute of the Torah and not the Torah. And Zeranpin is called the Torah. Because assuming the kingdom of heaven should be above reason, like a law, this is why Malchut is called statute. But afterward, we are rewarded with the Torah, called Zeranpin, and they are united. This is called the unification of the Creator with His Shekhinah. In other words, by accepting the Kingdom of Heaven as a law, completely mindlessly, above reason, as our sages said, because Satan and the nations of the world taunt Israel to say, what is this mitzvah and what is its reason? Therefore, it is written about it, it is a statute, a decree before me. You have no permission to doubt it. Hence, when a person takes upon himself the burden of the kingdom of heaven, he is rewarded with the Torah. This is the meaning of saying, this is the law, is to show that all is in one unification. This means that in the end, everything becomes united. And then it is evident that the thought of creation, which is to do good to his creations, becomes revealed since the will to receive has united with the desire to bestow. An equivalence of form is achieved. Then, there are no longer two desires, but one, the desire to bestow of the Creator to the creatures. And the will to receive of the created beings is annulled and included in the Creator's desire to bestow. And this is considered that there is only one authority in the world. This is called singular authority. And then the delight and pleasure are apparent Ulam, 
However, the work should be done in two lines, right and left. Right means completeness, and left means incompleteness. And a correction is needed there. When one engages in the manner of the statute of the Torah, meaning he wants to assume the burden of the kingdom of heaven, but the body objects to it and fights him, that state is called left line. Since then, a person feels his deficiency, how far he is from the love of the Creator. This is when the body comes with the who and what questions. At that time, he has nothing from which to derive vitality, since a person cannot live on a lack. This work is called depart from evil, meaning that a person should depart from the bad that is within man called will to receive, whether in mind or in heart. Although the, this work is necessary, since this is the first foundation that one should assume the burden of the kingdom of heaven, but at the same time, the writing says, there is more to do, meaning the work of the right, called completeness. The work of the right is called in the verse, and do good. We should interpret that a person should engage in the good. And good is called completeness. In other words, a person should calculate how much good he has, which is called and do, meaning work and calculate how much good he has. That is, a person should regard everything of Kedusha as a great fortune and believe that any grip he has on Kedusha Although it is a small grip, he should believe that the Creator has given him some desire and yearning to have a grip on Kedusha. And even if it is lo it is still very important, a very important matter. He should thank the Creator for the little bit of good that he has. And from this, a person can derive vitality and be in high spirits.
ומזה האדם יכול לקיים מה שכתוב From this a person can receive what is written. Serve the Lord with gladness. It follows that a person should maintain the right and the left. And this is the meaning of the verse. Part from evil. And do good. However, a question arises in a person. For example, he has been busy all day and did not have time to remember that there is a reality of the work of the Creator in the world. Afterward, he remembers that he went through the whole day in matters that have no connection to the work. What should he do now? Should he be sorry for not engaging in the work the whole time? Or Or, should he introspect and say, who reminded me now that there is the matter of a spiritual reality in the world and that we must do something for the Kedusha? It must be the Creator who gave me this thought now. Therefore, I must thank the Creator and be happy that the Creator is calling me to Him. Should He be happy about this and thank and praise the Creator or regret that all day long He was removed from the work altogether? It is true that he was removed from the Creator the whole day. And it is also true that now the Creator has given him an awakening so he will know the state he is in. So the question is, what should he do? According to what Barasulam said, where a person thinks, there he is. Thus, if a person thinks about the time when he was removed from the Creator and regrets it, then he is attached to the state of remoteness from the Creator. When he thought about trivial matters that he was engaged in all day long, he follows that the dvekut of his thought is in matters that are immaterial. Therefore, it is better to think about the good that he now has, meaning the fact that now he can think what to do for the Kedusha. It does not matter what he does, 
but only that he wants to engage in Torah and mitzvot. Now he already has connection with the Torah and mitzvot. According to the above rule, where one thinks, there he is. Now we should interpret the verse differently. Now he should be part from evil. Meaning, not to think about his bad state when he was separated, but rather do good. So everything he wants to do now will concern the good that he should do now. According to the above, we should ask, how does one go to work in the manner of the left? Since then, he's in a state of left and thinks only about deficiencies. So he is attached to the deficiencies. The answer is that a person should work on the left line only if first he is in the right line. Only when he's in a state of completeness and feels a good taste in the work, which is called an ascent, should he dedicate time to the left as well. To see whether his mind and heart are fine. After this, he will be rewarded with the Creator gives the soul called the soul of life. creation. The next question is, how should I be treating it? I, I feed it, I carry, it has to carry me until uh, the final correction. So what do I need to make sure of or watch out from throughout this path? You need to be careful not to give it more than what it needs in order to receive, in order to work. You have this donkey, you need to give it grass, water, nothing else. It doesn't need anything else according to its nature. I need to care for its... the correct calculation. So what can help the person think of the present and not the past, not go back all the time? These are calculations. What does it matter for him whether it uh, 
uh, it's in the present or in the past? Certainly the present. But he falls into sadness. He thinks about what I, where I wasn't all this time. How to be in perpetual gratitude now and not go, not fall back to that sadness. He needs to make a calculation why he now gets the recognition of evil. Why does the Creator give that to him? Because certainly what he has comes from above. What for? So that he is sorry about that? So one should be sorry for the past, that he wasn't in, in the work? should be sorry for the present, that he is in, under the influence of the force of reception that still acts in him. From the text, I'll, I'll sit down. He writes here, We should work with the will to receive called body through coercion, meaning it's, a, it's an ox to the burden and a donkey to the load. This work of coercion is only before a person was rewarded with purity. What, what is coercion in our work? Is there... Uh, uh, practice to it before we have vessels of bestowal how, in what way should I coerce myself in practice how do I work with those disturbances that surface in me can I coerce myself in my attitude to disturbances it depends on me yes if you cannot so there's no one else to talk to so you have no free choice or anything okay so I want to relate to it because when I read the article I'm, I'm, I'm asking also I feel that I have some desire and need for it it's like I'm missing the force how to realize it when I'm not inside the article. When I'm in the article, I can I can do this work. I'm here with the ten, and you see what I'm trying to say. How can I coerce myself when I'm under the rule of the will to receive? Together with that, you. Here, according to the article, how you would view it from the desire to bestow, how, would, how you'd view your state from the desire to bestow. He also speaks here afterwards about the matter of uh, laws, that you have to place some laws and limits. And in the 10, can we in some way create some sort of mechanism that will basically help each each one coerce himself? Those are the laws, the examples that we learn how to behave. Yes. Can you give an example? When I'm in a certain state and a new state comes upon it, so I try to see how much the new state is in my, goes according to my way or not. And accordingly, I relate it 
to the force that advances me or the seemingly opposite force that disturbs me and that which interferes. So according to that force, I can exercise the prayer and ask the Creator for help. The sensitivity you're talking about that a person can observe and identify it. The coercion is not, is not work that comes before that. You talk, you're talking about the actual inner spiritual work of the person, but he says before he even gets the privilege to work this way, he has to force himself in some way. That, that coercion is what I'm talking about. Yes. What is it? Give an example. Say, to come to the lesson, I have to force myself. Is this called coercion in the work? That is called coercion. Okay, there are other things called coercion. Everything we do on the path of correction is in coercion. How can we in the ten... Because we, we really received a lot of opportunities to coerce ourselves in order to allow this inner work that's happening now, like you're describing. So in the 10, what are our limits on realizing this coercion? Like I feel that the 10 will look at me a certain way if I don't force myself to come to a meeting or to the lesson, and it helps me. It helps me work in coercion. There are friends who, that, that it, it, it works in them less. It's not exactly in coercion how you explain it, because then you start feeling the shame, what you get from the friends who look at you in that way. And that's what pushes you to come closer to the game, to, to come closer to them and to start to execute a certain action. So that's not through coercion. What is it then? It's that you make a calculation. Coercion is when I don't make a calculation? Coercion is that you cannot make a, is when you cannot make a calculation. Coercion is not when it's worthwhile for me. It's above calculations. So again, I go back to the first question. Before a person has vessels of bestowal, what is it? What is coercion? I can't make a calculation, an action without calculation. Well, what does it mean, coercion? Coercion means I force myself, even though I cannot find any logical infrastructure for that. Where do you get the strength for that? The strength for that I receive in the beginning in that I want to advance to the Creator. Why? That's why. Because if it's not just like that, so then I would find some pleasure, some incentive. So how, how can the ten ultimately help the person realize what you just said? 
this, and give him this, this force because it works within, it's the inner work. Mark 6, they ask, how can one examine whether he took upon himself the burden of the, the upper kingdom? He needs to make a calculation what truly pushes him now to the next action. Or whether there is some logic here, some calculation that his mind understands and knows and agrees with. Or he has no ideas for that. There's no support. But it's really as an ox to the burden as, as a donkey to the load. The kingdom of the upper one is that it's against one's desire? Yes. Against the desire and against logic. That we respond to our will to receive coercively, like uh, to a donkey that we wanted to do the work, that is called the correct response to them, to those desires. Meaning the will to receive will always receive fulfillment from above. We just have to surrender to it. I don't care about whether it gets fulfillment from above or not. I care only about that in which it works. That I give it exactly what I need as the lower force. Rabbi, I have an impression from what you said before that all the advancement is when disturbances come to a person. And also sometimes the whole day feels like a stream of disturbances. And desirably, you could kind of pause with every disturbance and think where it comes from and why and start this dialogue, but it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen because you don't deserve it. You cannot work that way. That's all. Therefore, we need to work as it is written here, as an ox to the burden and as a donkey to the load, to submit oneself. I'm I'm not clear on what it says. Uh, I have to do work with these disturbances, and I see that I don't. The work with disturbances is that you do not prepare your mind and accordingly you want to progress. Simply through these disturbances you are ready 
to move forward with them. What does it mean to go forward? Let's say the boss yells at you at work. I'm not speaking about these things. But that's most of the day. Okay, let him shout. Let's say like this, I come to the lesson because like you said, there's shame if um, I don't come. People can see and I'll be ashamed. Well, so what's the benefit? The benefit is that it got me to the lesson, but if there's a disturbances and I didn't work with it, didn't use it, then there's no shame because no one sees that I didn't pass the test. So what's better? I think it would be better if the 10 would always be next to me. Every time I would screw up, they would see me and I would be ashamed. No? No, you would come with the force of the 10. Is it not better than not coming? Could be. It's better not to come. Okay. The truth is, it's not clear. What's not clear? It's clear to you that you don't come because you don't want to come. But you come only in order that they won't call you lazy, or, for instance. So it's truly not clear what's the difference between the the coercion he talks about here. I understand he's talking about going above reason, but in practice, most of what we do are habits that we've got used to over many years. Now, in any case, we make a calculation. We, in any case, make a calculation, and when we come, we come because there is a social force here, there is a, there's an individual force here, therefore we come. But it's good that you do this calculation, right? We always have to do it. So I'm asking, how can I make this calculation with things where I'm not being seen? What does it mean, not seen? Like during the day, let's say. How can I make the calculation not in the time of a morning lesson or 10 meetings, but in most of the hours of the day where it's not the situation? How can we take advantage of that better? That truly can be... Those can truly be actions in order to bestow. Whereas here, when you come to the lesson, usually it's on a... About coercion, the coercion is on actions, right? Okay. Well, let's say, continue, I don't know what you're trying to get to here. So, in order to act in coercion, I need force from the Creator, but I get that only from the Ten. Uh, so in the 10, I can get it in a different way than just being ashamed and making calculations, or is that incorrect? No. No. When I'm in a network of forces, and I act according to how that network obligates me. Next. Yes, Tikkun. In coercion, is there a correction? 
What does it mean? Is there a correction and coercion? I managed to, to bend the body by coercion. I went above reason and made an action that there's no logic in it. Is there a correction in that? But you performed the correction. So the coercion is all already a correction even though it's just an action. There is an article from Rabash where he says that even if the friends obligate you to come to the lesson, trust that it's the Creator who awakened you. And here too he says that if the whole day he didn't think about spirituality or contact with the Creator, with the society, and suddenly he does have it, he shouldn't now take into account all of the the deficiencies where he was detached and in corporeal calculations, but first hold on to the point that the Creator awakened him. And this is my question, because he says, uh, it's like this spark, this point in the heart that once, once again the Creator touched you, identify that He awakened you, but you have some work here, not to go straight to the left, but to bless and thank and hold that contact for a while. That's how I understand it. Before you cry and pray and look at your deficiencies and ask, what is this move where I have a spark during the day, a thought about the friends, let's say, and I want out of I don't want it to to go out so that from this contact I'll go all the way even to a cry from the Creator to take us out of Egypt. Can we do such a thing? You see what I'm trying to I'm trying to extend that grip point of grip. I don't know if you can. You have to be connected to everybody, all the friends, and all the friends that also have that tendency to come out of Egypt, and you are incorporated in them, and you absorb what's in them, then you are with them together, and then when you're together with them, you can come out of Egypt. We talked about how the, the article is very powerful, and there are also these moments before we go into the lesson, which is very powerful, these few minutes of preparation we do. What does it depend on, these moments, when a person is not surrounded by the friends in that moment? Can he achieve such an intensity? Can he gather the friends around him in terms of feeling that way? If he's physically not next to them? Yes, let's say the, the boss yells at him, and while that happens, he, he remembers the friends for a second, and he, he, wants, he wants to go into such a strength from that. Supposedly, yes. Why not? Well, that's negative influence of the boss. Uh, it influences him so much. It's all about the values. So what does he do? He starts doing inner work to the point that he feels the friends around him, and with them he turns? Yes, he feels that he's with the Creator.
Rav, I need help here in a certain scrutiny. In the 10, we are trying to do certain actions and to think somewhat whether we're bringing contentment to the Creator in this action, meaning if we can do this action this way. Yeah. And then you perform the action, you think about it, and discover that you're not doing it in order to bring contentment from the Creator. There's all kinds of other excuses. Okay. So now the question is about the scrutiny in this, whether now, in continuation to what he said, should we be happy with this or take it as a preparation for the next action which will be correct what does that mean I performed the action we were with the friends we did the action in my scrutiny I saw that it's it's not pure this intention yeah so now do it in a clean in a pure way okay yeah all right that's what I want to do but I just don't know how to do that Meaning how? You say, do it. Uh, What's the difference between what you did to what you want to do? On the outside, I don't think you could see a difference. It's a matter of the intention. So correct your intention. What? What to correct? To correct my attitude and why I do this. Correct it. Prayer to the Creator to ask what? Whatever you, you have. If inside you have a collision between what you had and what you want to do, so then you'll see how to correct it. Meaning, be in this conflict and then see what will be revealed there. Yeah. In this very delicate state that you're in, there's this voice that says to you, don't fall, don't do, there's a voice that says yes. Eventually you realize that it's not under your control, at least that's how I feel. What makes the determination, where obviously the Creator does this, but what determines whether the voice that to be stronger will be louder or the weak one will be louder? So you're going with the voice that says to overcome. I'm trying, but it doesn't always succeed. It's not important, even if you weren't successful. Now, in these individual states, like it was just uh, spoken of, like Shaul said, where you're with yourself, here in these states also, does the influence of the environment operate on you? It's always whichever way you want to feel it. Meaning, let's say, the ten and the friends, does that act on me? Yes. Now this force of the ten, after all the ten is a system, it's a certain kind of system that protects you and guards you. What causes the ten to create the force that, that protects the individual when he's alone? What, is the, what does it have that protects the individual? The ten is always a ten. There's always a connection. Each one is always a result of their, all their connection. And inside this system, if I want 
the system to protect, guard the friends better, and generate more forces, yes, the form in which this is created, let's say it's overcoming of friends, let's say we're ten friends, a friend did an overcoming, I don't see, I don't know what he did, but he, in his time, overcame. So does that give forces to all the ten to overcome as well? Yes. As a system? And eventually, that individual that wants to the more he invests in this business he will also be able to receive more forces like like in a business yes okay guys I see that we're in kind of a transition here part understand this part don't understand it yet but somehow are incorporated with it so we need patience to go through the state yeah The calculation that we're doing as that we're supposedly standing before the Creator and calculating what do we need in order to bestow to Him. So here, start counting. What do we need to be connected above our will to receive? aim it that it will all be not for ourselves or anyone but to all of us together in order to bestow to the creator from us right all kinds of things start gathering them and seeing are you in this and in what yes and then how much no and from that it'll be clear where you are even you can uh, make a list of the Sometimes it feels that it happens that friends receive something that they really wanted, they yearned for. It could be something in the family, something in work, even here something in the society here. And this thing kind of gives this confidence that is I think it's kind of false confidence that kind of puts them into a very sleepy state. Uh, that strain that they're supposed to have in the beginning it kind of disappears. It could be. They're sufficient with a bit. They're satisfied with the state that isn't lower that they wanted to get to before. We need to grow, we need to augment our deficiency. That's through the work between you. It's the work between you, and that you don't see so much. As much as we try to awaken each and every one to be in a stronger contact with the others. Earlier I heard that we're in some transitional state that some understand, some not so much so, but we need to go through this stage. Yeah. What are we supposed to do with this information? 
Keep going. Keep going forward towards connection and awakening. What should we concentrate on? How do you see this state of the group that we need to concentrate on right now? That we won't stop, not to stop in the middle, and we can get used to any state. So instead of advancing, we'll just stay in this state. But we need to see ourselves ahead. That what's important is to constantly be in in a lack. It's maybe a note that you wrote or something. But how, while the while the landlord is not looking, should can we do some form of work? Instead of the landlord, we can depict the group and the entire system that keeps us, guards us, and we're like in the middle of the scales. And that's it, and that way awaken ourselves that I constantly need to see how I can keep the direction going ahead and the direction of going ahead when I'm on those scales. And from there, I receive the awakening, the optimum, maximum awakening. Yes. Yeah. In all the articles, is, uh, well, a person kind of puts it for himself. The upper, the creator, some quality that is closer to bestow than gizin, and he kind of goes in that direction. And he receives from their light and forces, from those ideas of bestow and love and... Uh, well, now a person can sign for himself, mark for himself something that's the creator, some great picture there. He can mark for himself the, the Kabbalists that he takes from their articles. He can mark for himself the Rab that's upper. And he also knows that the friends need to be there, like the friends, the ten, the group needs to be there. But that is hard for him to, to do because he looks at them and he says, that's flesh and blood, it's like me. I know myself, I'm not so... Uh, uh, I'm not on that side of holiness. How do we raise the ten and put them together with the creator, teacher, Kabbalist? The is the vessel. It's a spaceship I'm in. That I can't be without them. What's the question even? I can't be without this place called a ten. That's a place where I can live, get the oxygen of life. And that's why I have to be incorporated in them, them for me, me for them. 
that's it. That's life. That's the truth. And I'm not allowed to miss it. Where do you take the forces for that thing called the ten, the friends? So it will be on the same category, like the creator, like the teacher, like the Kabbalists. The surrounding light from the environment. What is that? That's it. The surrounding light. My body and all of creation are the will to receive. How can I transition from my own nature to the nature of the Creator? And what are the means or tools that are necessary to do so? That's called the light that reforms. That it's given to a few souls, not all of them, but a few souls, an opportunity to work in it. And that's how we overcome. Next heading, the law of root and branch by which the worlds are related. Kabbalists have found that the form of the four worlds named Atzilut, Bria, Yetzirah, and Asiyah, beginning with the first highest world called Atzilut, down to this corporeal, tangible world called Asiyah is exactly the same in every item and event. This means that everything that eventuates and occurs in the first world is found unchanged in the next world, below it too. It is likewise in all the worlds that follow it down to this tangible world. There is no difference between them, but only a difference of degree perceived in the substance of the elements of reality in each and every world. The substance of the elements of reality in the first, uppermost world is finer than in all the ones below it. And the substance of the elements of the reality in the second world is thicker than in the first world, but finer than all that is of a lower degree. This continues similarly down to this world before us, whose substance of the elements of its reality is coarser and darker than in all the worlds preceding it. However, the 
the shapes and elements of reality and all their occurrences come unchanged and equal in every world, both in quantity and quality. They compared it to the conduct of a seal and its imprint. All the shapes in the seal are perfectly transferred in every detail and intricacy to its imprinted object. So it is with the worlds. Each lower world is an imprint of the world above it. Hence, all the forms in the highest and higher world are meticulously, meticulously copied in both quantity and quality to the lower world. Thus, there is not an element of reality or an occurrence of reality in a lower world that you will not find its likeness in the world above it, as identical as two drops in a pond. And they're called root and branch. That means that the item in the lower world is deemed a branch of its pattern found in the higher world, which is the root of the lower element, as this is where that item in the lower world has been imprinted and made to be. That was the intention of our sages when they said, you have not a blade of grass below that has not a fortune and a guard above that strike it and tell it, grow. It follows that the root, called fortune, compels it to grow and assume its attribute in quantity and quality as with the seal and its imprint. This is the law of root and branch that applies to every detail and occurrence in reality in every single word in relation to the world above it. Conveyance from a wise Kabbalist to an understanding receiver. Thus wrote Nachmanides in his introduction to this to his commentary on the Torah. And Rav Chaim Vital wrote similarly in the essay Psiot. The readers should know that they will not understand a single word of all that is written in these essays, unless when they are conveyed from a wise Kabbalist to the ears of a wise receiver who understands with his own mind. Also, in the words of our sages, one does not study the Markava on one's own unless he is wise and understands with his own mind. Their words are thoroughly understood when they say that one must receive from a wise Kabbalist. But why the necessity for the disciple 
to first be wise and understanding with his own mind. Moreover, if he is not so, then he must not be taught be he the most righteous person in the world. Additionally, if one is already wise and understands with his own mind, what need has he to learn from others? From the aforesaid, their words are understood with utter simplicity. We have seen that all the words and utterances our lips pronounce cannot help us clarify even a single word from the spiritual. Godly matters above the imaginary time and space. Instead, there's a special language for these matters, the language of the branches, according to their relation to their upper roots. However, this language, though very suitable for its task of delving into the studies of the wisdom, more than other languages, is only so if the listener is wise in his own right. Meaning that he knows and understands the ways, the way the branches relate to their roots. It is so because these relations are not at all clear when looking from the lower to the upper. In other words, it is impossible to make any deduction or semblance concerning the upper roots by observing lower branches. <laughs> Quite the contrary. The lower is studied from the higher. Thus, one must first attain the upper roots the way they are in spirituality, above any imagination and with pure attainment. As was explained in the essay, The Essence of the Wisdom of Kabbalah, item 4, the actuality and the wisdom of Kabbalah, and once he has thoroughly attained the upper roots with his own mind, he may examine the tangible branches in this world and know how each branch relates to its root in the upper world in all its orders, in quantity and quality. When one knows and thoroughly comprehends all this, he has a common language with his teacher, namely the language of the branches. Using it, the Kabbalist sage may convey all the studies in the wisdom conducted in the upper spiritual worlds, both what he had received from his teachers and the expansion in the wisdom he had discovered by himself. For it is because, this is because now they have a common language and they understand each other. However, 
When a disciple is not wise and comprehends that language on his own, meaning how the branches indicate their roots, naturally, the teacher cannot convey even a single word of this spiritual wisdom. Much less negotiate with him in the scrutiny of the wisdom. Since they have no common language, they can use, they become as mute. Thus, it is necessary that the deeds of the Merkava, which are the wisdom of Kabbalah, will not be taught unless he is wise and understands with his own mind. We must ask further, how then has the disciple grown so which sorry, so wise as to know the relations of branch and root through tracing the upper roots? The answer is that here, in man's efforts are in vain, is the Creator's help that we need. He fills those whom He favors with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge to acquire sublime attainments. Here, it is impossible to be assisted by any flesh and blood. Indeed, once he has grown fond of a person and has endowed him with the sublime attainment, one is then ready to come and receive the vastness of the wisdom of Kabbalah from a wise Kabbalist. For only now do they have a common language.